Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, April 15th. It's tax day. We're not going to talk about taxes today, unless you want to. Well, no, we're not. It is time for another episode of Trucking Technology and Efficiency. So we're going to talk about trucks and technology and fuel mileage and maintenance and joining us to do that. We've got Joel Morrow and John Walco. We'll get to them in just a couple minutes. I have a couple of quick announcements, then we're going to jump right into it. And I got to tell you, we are only doing an hour today, even if we still have questions at the end. I've got uh, several conference calls this afternoon. I've got to get on the road. I've got a lot going. So if you have a question, jump in and join us right away. Also, we are taking questions on truckingtribe.com. I see we've got one in there already. We'll, uh, I'll try to monitor those, and we'll get to as many of those as we can, depending on how busy the phone calls are. If you want to join us with a question, a comment, a topic, jump in right now at 855-950-3835. We'll be getting those calls here in just a little bit. Also, Going forward, we will be adding shows to our network here at a pretty fast pace over the next month or so. We'll be rolling out new shows. Some of our shows will be scheduled like this one. You know, Monday through Friday, you can tune in at 11 a.m. Eastern time and we'll be doing the show. Um, I talked with Mike Beckett yesterday, Rolling Toe with Mike and Kevin Beckett will be scheduled think they're going Thursday 3 Central. I'm not sure. We'll be putting out a schedule, but some of our shows will also be unscheduled. Uh, I may do book reviews now and then. I may do a political commentary here and there. I may just talk about industry stuff and record it. So one of the best ways to know when all of our shows are happening, whether they're scheduled or unscheduled is to get on our text list and it's really easy grab your phone right now or grab something to write with and i'll tell you how to get signed up for this and then usually about 45 minutes to a half hour before we're going to do a show whether it's a recorded show or just something on the fly uh, unscheduled or scheduled, doesn't matter. All of our shows, you'll get a text message letting you know that we're about to go live and you can join us. So here's how you do it. Just like you were going to send a text to anybody else, you're going to send a text to this number, 855-997-3835. That also works out to 855-997-FUEL-3835. In the body of the text, just put the word TRIBE. That's it. Not long after you send it, you should get a response back, and you can also stop this anytime on your own. All you do is text STOP if you want it to stop. And then if you want to start it up again, you can just text unstop and they'll start up again. You have total control. We're not going to spam you with this. Uh, We may send you some offers and some sales now and then. But for the most part, it is about making sure you know when we've got a show going on so you can join us. All right. With that said, we're going to jump right into it. Again, calls are probably going to get busy. They get busy towards the end of the show 
And most of the time, we try to hang around until we finish the calls. But today, we are wrapping up right at noon Eastern time. All right, it looks like uh, we're going to go to John first this week. John, welcome back. Hey, Kevin, good to be here. So uh, I, I'm going to apologize in advance again for background noise. I'm sitting in a coffee shop about a block from the World Trade Center Memorial in New York City right now. That was the quietest place I could find to do the show while we're, we're here in New York this weekend. Got it. That was going to be my first question. Where are you in the world today? <laughs> I thought I'd get that out first. <laughs> yeah, you and uh, I knew you were going to ask. You and Joel are the wanderers. We always have to know where you are when you're doing the show. It's kind of cool, though, that uh, you know we have this technology and we can do this. So I, uh, I've got friends at the racetrack who uh, I, I usually I have to wear readers, right? So you try to wear something fun, round, or whatever when I have them, and. Uh, some guy said, yeah, you look like Where's, Where's Waldo. And I'm like, you know, the guy who does my website wants to do a whole section on there called Where's Walco. It's just like follow me around with a little map on my website to see where I am on, the, on any given time. There you go. I like that. That's a good idea. And yeah. how fitting, Where's Walco. Yeah, I love that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Perfect. So what's but, uh, uh Hey, real, real quick. Sure. Uh, I've been following, or yeah, this is what's on my mind right now, and it's good to see uh, – on the nine mile per gallon group over there on uh, uh, on Facebook uh, with the with the Cascadia is getting some killer numbers. Um, you know we we've become so Volvo centric here thanks to thanks to Joel and, and you know I, I'm really not involved in that myself but but uh, I've always thought that the DD15 DT12 combo you know with their 216 gearing and and whatnot should have had the potential and would always see good stuff from uh, Henry but never anyone else. And, uh, I've seen another guy out there who's doing it. And uh, my favorite thing about that truck is it's got cameras for mirrors and he's getting it through DOT. So uh, that was, uh, I thought that was super cool. Uh, a guy's name Dave Moreau. He's in his team on the nine mile per gallon page there, but really, really, really good work he's doing with his, uh, with his new Cascadia. Yeah, we love to see that. You know, I, I'm thinking way back, I attempted to try to get cameras on the, it was either the, might have been the first signature truck. And there was just, no way it was going to happen back then. Um, it wasn't even yeah. worth pursuing it after I attempted a couple of times. They, uh, and here we are, what, a, a decade plus later, and we're finally starting to see it. You know, and honestly, there was no reason not to do it back then. The camera technology was just fine. No. I mean, we had great camera technology. It, it, there was no reason it couldn't have worked then. It's just government's so damn slow to react to some of this stuff. And, you know, trusting the technology or having some sort of backup there. Um, and, and, and those beers are really draggy. I don't care what anybody says. It's a huge deal. Um, I know Smart Truck was working on some stuff before they before they shut her. Uh, they, they had a, a mirror slash camera that they were developing that uh, was really a camera, but it had a mirror element as well so that when you went through DOT, the mirror could be turned sideways and where it's not so aerodynamic. And when he went down the road, it just flipped around and he relied on the camera instead of something that those guys were working on. Oh, and okay. I thought that was cool just to get her, just to skate around the rule. But, uh, yeah, but from the, from the stuff I glanced on his post, it looks like he's going to carry a bunch of paperwork with him to do it, but he's, he's, he's pulling it off. So, you know, cause I guess, you know, do you just show up at a DOT stop or get the wrong guy? You're going to have, you're going to have a long day with a truck with no, no mirrors on it. I'm sure. Yeah. So, you, you know, the one thing I didn't realize, although as soon as I saw it, it made sense. 
Um, not only do you have to have mirrors, there's a certain square centimeters of glass that has to be there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 X amount. And uh, so uh, the thing that, uh, that Steve was talking about, this guy ought to probably get on the show. He was my racer buddy who was who ended up as the engineer there, smart truck for some years. Um, Steve Wolf. I don't know if you remember him. Uh, if you ever interacted with him when you did your stuff with smart truck. Um, but he's, you know, he's back in the motorsport world and he's, uh, he's actually selling some oil. He's going to become an oil guy. He sells most oils and he's actually hitting the heavy duty marker with that, that product. But you know, oil's oil. Yeah, that's kind of a tough sell. Um, but yeah, he, he had a really cool, they had a really clever idea, you know, a mirror that just turned into a, you know, that was, it was, you know, it was a functional mirror when it was, when it was rotated in, the, in a mirror position, but it would straighten itself out and it had narrow, uh, an arrow profile you know, a teardrop type shape, whenever it, when I was going down the road, it eliminated itself. Right. And he said they could actually just flex some air around the truck. Like it could, it could work like a, you know, like a, some sort of guy to, to, to move some air off the side of the truck then. Um, oh, okay. And, but it was, a, you know, it was really, but the brackets housed, you know, housed cameras and there were, there were screens inside that was what you actually used for the mirror, not the mirror. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, they, I, I played around, and there were a couple camera systems that came out on the market for the fender mirrors to replace the fender mirrors, and those aren't required, so it was no big deal putting cameras up there. But even back then, the camera technology was good enough that those things were really cool to back up with because they followed the back edge of the trailer. As your trailer, as oh, you yeah. started to back up and your trailer would swing wider, the camera actually followed that edge so you could always see the edge of your trailer. Yep. That's amazing what it could do. And it's way better now. Like, way, yeah. way better now. Yeah, but, sure. You know, some of these modern cars with their cameras. A friend of mine bought a new Jeep Wagoneer, and its, uh, it's rear-view mirror is about a rear-view mirror at the camera. It's just a screen up there yeah, that right. uses cameras. and could do a bunch of different views. It'll show you the side of the car when you're parking. It does all kinds of crazy stuff. It's yeah, really the cool. the one commercial I remember seeing, and I never went to check. I think it was a GM, one of the GM trucks that might have been Ford. I can't remember now. But when you were pulling a trailer, somehow it would show you what was behind the trailer. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how it does that. Yeah, that's some sort of magic. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the uh, <laughs> the other technology I saw similar to that that was pretty cool. I, I doubt that we'll see it anytime soon on a trailer, but some company developed a camera system. So if you were following a tractor trailer on the back of the trailer, it had a screen that displayed what was in front of the truck. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. That's really impressive. So you could, you know, a lot of people, they hate being behind trucks, can't see anything. You don't know what's going on with traffic up front. And this camera system displayed what was in front of the truck on the back of the trailer. I thought that was wild. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's really cool. Yeah. So, well, neat. But, well, again, but back to the, the main, you know, what was on my mind today is the, uh, the, 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 the DT-12 and the Cascadia. I mean, I... I Personally, my, my, as I call it, wind tunnel vision, the aerodynamics on the Cascadia with the aero package, whatever they call that, is really good. And I saw a brand new one on the road the other day. And they have some really cool exit vents in the, in the front fenders that, uh, that weren't on it before. And there's some aero updates on it, too, with the sharper edges and the, the splitter on the front and all that stuff. It's really cool. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I can't calculate, calculate a drag coefficient by looking at it, but I, I got a feeling <laughs> that's low. Yeah, Pretty it's low. Be good. Yeah. Uh, just looking at the truck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I but, think. Uh, uh, you know, so yeah, so it's good to see that happening. I mean, I think other others are going to start stepping it up. 
but yeah, it, and I really think that the Detroit slash you know Freightliner had the they were on the right path a number of times and missed it, you know, with a small changes here and there, right? Like they're like their turbo compounding that didn't really work out because they see they, they went kind of at the wrong end of it. Uh, you know, in my world, like small changes that make a difference, right? So they, they've always seemed to me to be a few small changes away from that thing working really well. And it seems like they're, they're getting to it now. Yeah. I think, um, I, I think Joel actually has an update on a new transmission coming out or maybe out available from them now that might make this a little better too. Yeah, that's on the pack car slash Eaton side or coming slash Eaton side. That, that, that's going to be cool too. Yep. Good, good. All right, anything else? Good. Well, that's it for me. All right. No, I'm good. Let's, so, uh, I think we've got, uh, well, we had a call. Uh, let me check. Nope. Calls are open. You better jump in quick, though. Uh, today's going to go fast. Let's uh, let's welcome back Joel. Joel, welcome. Hey guys, hey guys, good to be back. So, uh, where are you in the world today? I'm on the Indiana Turnpike, heading towards home. So I'm about three hours from home, and and uh, get in the yard and wrap it up for the week. Hopefully, got it, got it. Uh, so, what's on your mind this week? Oh, I've got a smorgasbord kind of i got some engine stuff going on some suspension stuff going on we have some transmission uh stuff going on so uh i guess i'll jump in with the transmission stuff um i had a very nice discussion with the folks at eaton and specifically with the eaton cummins integration engineers and this all focused around an exchange we had out on Facebook in regards to the manual 13 speed and how efficient it actually was and a downsped application. And, and, um, so th- they have a couple of new transmissions coming out. Um, and they're going to put together a list of recommendations, uh, for people that are looking to down, down speed of Cummins to the degree that you can. And so that'll be interesting. They're going to have a manual 10 speed an automated 12 speed, and then their new 18 speed coming out. And, uh, the new 18 speed is going to have a little bit wider steps to accommodate those faster rear axle ratios, which will be, which will be nice. Um, so interesting news coming from there. Um, I don't know if you saw the news that Scania has come out with their, global platform that Navistar is going to be getting that looks like it's going to be a very, very efficient 13 liter. Um, right after Scania made the announcement, uh, Volvo came out with some announcements of some improvements um, on their 13 liter to, to, to keep pace. And one of them I, I really uh, caught my attention because John had talked about that they'd done some work on a race car engine where they uh, shortened up the piston and lengthened the connecting rod and and they saw some durability increase on this exact same thing that Volvo done with the with the D13 TC and the newest generation over in Europe they'd shorten that piston up and lengthen the connecting rod to reduce reduce some internal friction so that was kind of nice to see um, yeah the 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 DD15 folks are really Hitting on all cylinders right now. Uh, Dave and Henry and Clark Reed, all three, are putting up some really, really good numbers with the DD15. So they're getting that thing sorted out, and and uh, it's just good to see a, a lot of a lot of competition. Competition's good, and uh, 
it's good to see the fuel efficiency numbers that people are putting up today. Yeah, it is. You know, it, it's funny. We just, you know, we were talking about Detroit where, you know, for a long time, we kind of looked at the Series 60 as one of the best fuel mileage engines on the market. We did a lot of work on it for fuel mileage. We understood it. We got great numbers. So Detroit's really always been right there at the top of that game. They're still... Right there, couple changes, and that could get really impressive. But guys are putting out great numbers. On the other hand, I really hope this Scania thing with uh, International works out. It seems to me like International has not been able to put together a decent game plan on a truck or an engine for you know well over a decade now. It's just they they start on a new engine platform and it doesn't work and then they jump to something else and then they get rid of this. Then, I mean, it just seems like they've been all over the board and it kind of seems to me like it goes back to the time it seemed to have started when they got that, uh, the CEO that used to be at Freightliner a long time ago. What was that guy's name? Um, uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, he, it seemed like he kind of made a mess of international when he got over there, and it's just that like they've never recovered from that. So it, it would be good to see them back in the game again. Yeah, I, I think the Scania platform, um, from everything that I'm hearing, it's uh, it's definitely one of the better platforms out there. There's there's no question. It, it has the right engine architecture. It's got the the stout rotating internals. It's it's got some very advanced emission controls on it. Uh, very very similar transmission design and steps as the what the i shift is running and the dt12 single counter shaft transmission the uh the back of it the auxiliary section is a planetary gear set so we eliminate all the extra counter shafts and whatnot so definitely definitely going to be a good one scania's got that reputation you know for years and years they have built some some very efficient strong engines and uh i would expect that they're going to have a uh a uh, real game changer for for international Navistar, no no doubt about it. Uh, if that comes to fruition, got it, got it. All right, so our show's called Trucking Technology and Efficiency, which gives us a lot of leeway to talk about whatever we want. Technology's all over the board. Efficiency comes in a lot of different forms. You know, looking at the numbers in trucking right now. I, I don't even know what to think. You know, I've talked many, many times about, you know, stock markets and investing and being a contrarian, kind of doing the opposite of what the masses are doing. Um, And it, it really applies to trucking right now. So we've been on this tear with rates for years now. Great rates, people making all kinds of money. But we've been saying for a while, the party's just about over. And I don't think there's any doubt now. The party's over for trucking. I don't know how long this is going to last, how deep it's going to go, how bad it's going to be. Uh, but spot market rates are down 37% since February. Um, fuel is through the roof. Cost of everything is high. Truck prices and, and trailer prices are absolutely insane. Numbers that that I still can't even believe, and this equipment is actually selling, which just makes no sense to me. And I just saw a statistic today. What the hell are these people thinking? Oh, the other thing that uh, 
a lot of people don't understand. It's a number I watch. It's called the 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 basically the load rejection rate, the tender rejection rate. And what this means is we talk about contract rates and spot market. Contract means a carrier and a shipper have signed a contract to move a load over a period of time, maybe a year. I mean, I've even seen contract rates up to three years sometimes. And then spot market is just stuff that moves every day. You know, you just find a truck, you put it on there. What a lot of people don't understand is contract rates in trucking aren't binding contracts. Neither party has to fulfill that contract. So when when it comes time to move that shipment that you've been moving every week for a shipper, if you decide you don't want to move it this week, you don't have to. It's not a binding contract. So what it what happens is carriers with contract freight watch the spot market closely, good carriers, and if the spot market rates are just so much higher than their contract rates, they'll pull trucks off contract freight and go move the spot market. Hey, Joel, is there any way you can kind of yeah. quiet down the background noise? Oh, that's me. That's, I got to, oh. uh, that's me. Yeah. Oh. Uh, let me, let me, uh, let me move. I'll see if I can do better here. My, my yeah. quiet coffee shop just became noisy. I, it got so, really noisy. Um, I found my. Go outside, which is probably going to be better. Yeah. 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 Hold on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, a bunch of kids I, just walked in. Yeah. I found my, yelling. I found oh, yeah, myself yelling, good. trying to get over them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Here. Yeah. I'm going to okay. wear myself out here. I'm it's yelling. Better outside. There yeah. we go. That's better. That? That's better. Yeah. All right. Good, good live radio here. I like it. Um, so, so now what's happening, those rejections for the contract freight were really high because carriers were saying, hey, look, why would we pull at this contract rate? Look at what's going on in the spot market. That has shifted dramatically. The carriers are no longer turning down their contract freight to go run on the spot market, which means their contract rates are now higher than the spot market because the spot market's dropping so fast. But on top of all that, all of these signs that have been staring us in the face for months right now, we just set a record in February for new authority. A record. I mean, we've never had this many wow. people apply for authority in a single month. It was, almost, it was over 20,000 New carriers registered just in February. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Has a regulation loosened up or something? What is something else spurred that other than people wanting to get into a seemingly lousy business right now? Nothing I know of. I mean, nothing's changed. It huh. hasn't gotten easier. It hasn't gotten cheaper. I mean, the only okay. possibility, but I, I I looked into that, and it's really not happening. Um, California and their AB5 rule, that, that will, if that actually passes, it's at the Supreme Court. Um, if it passes, then you might see a big surge because in California, then it would be illegal to lease to a carrier. You would have to go get your own authority if you wanted to be an owner operator in California. And, but that hasn't happened. Nobody's doing that yet because it's sitting in the Supreme Court. So nobody, California isn't enforcing it. And everybody's sitting back and waiting. And I checked the numbers. California's numbers were just about the same as everybody else's. So all I can think of is this is nothing more than, you know, drivers and owner-operators or even people outside of the industry who kept hearing about these great rates in trucking, but they don't understand the pattern that that's over. 
Um, boy, talk about getting in at a bad time. But here's another one. And this would be mostly fleets. You would think they would know better than this. The um, You can't even order a trailer right now. 22, all of the slots are completely full. Couldn't get a trailer if you wanted one. And they're not even opening up slots for 2023. Why are yeah? I think so. A lot of the fleet, a lot of the fleets are forward-looking. See, we we got smacked by this when things were really strong because we didn't have orders in. So I think a lot of the fleets are probably looking two, three, maybe even four years ahead on current orders right now. You know, trying to judge what capacity is going to be out in the future and in order that they have trailers. But I mean, we really got stung by that. We had a, a trailer shortage and we could have really picked up a lot more work. We just could not get trailers or trucks for that matter. I mean, waited for a year and a half on trucks. So, uh, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, let's put a standing order out regardless of what the economy says it's going to do. We are going to have some type of order out. may not be as big as normal, but it's going to be in the system because we're not going to get caught again without being able to uh, uh, have capacity. And we're probably seeing more fleets in that game where they're putting standing orders out. They may not be as big, but more fleets are probably doing it in order to, to secure spots. So if, if you were to go order a trailer right now, if you could, let's say they open up 2023 20, slots, what price are you paying? And how, how binding is um, that contract? It's it's crazy prices right now on a on a trailer that was thirty five thousand dollars, you know, a year and a half ago. You're looking at sixty five to seventy. Wow, that that that's yeah. the scary yeah, I mean, part that, yeah, for me. I mean, that's just odd. That's crazy. It yep. is. Yeah, it, it's it it is crazy now. How how they're going to hold people to stuff, I don't know, because a lot of the stuff you can cancel and walk away from it, and I think that's why they have okay. all these standing orders. Yeah, I, I mean, as a fleet, you go in and say, I want to I reserve, you know, 50 build slots, and uh, yeah, if something happens, you just say, no, I ain't taking it. Yeah, And you okay. walk away from it. Yeah, that, 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 boy, but, you know, it's... Buying equipment at today's prices just seems like insanity uh, to me. It, it just it makes you want to puke. Yeah, it really it does. does. I mean, you look at this stuff. I am trying to put together a, a a demonstration trailer. I'm working with Strict Trailer, and this is going to be a very high-level build. And, you know, they're doing everything they can to help keep costs down. And, of course, I've got uh, several partners uh, that, you know, are – suppliers that I work with involved with this and it's just absolutely crazy at the pricing on stuff it, it's not it's it's twice what it was I, that, it, it, it just is that's if, unheard if I, of. if I had to go out and buy this trailer on the on the market the way that I have this thing spec'd and the engineering involved it'd be a hundred grand for a dry van that's insane that is just so yeah, unheard of if you would have told me a year ago trailer prices will double or more i would have thought well there's no way nobody would buy a trailer yeah yeah and i i don't know if people just kind of see this as the new normal but you know fleets know that they have to they have to turn so many trucks and trailers and so they're they put these orders out there whether they actually take delivery or not who knows but but the orders are out there there's no doubt yeah so you know just looking at some numbers if you let's say freight rates would have stayed where they were you know at, at their peak when it was you know we were just making a killing on everything if you had to go out and buy a new truck new trailer and pay today's fuel prices 
those rates would have been barely average. I mean, you would need a rate like that to, to stay profitable. So these people that are, yeah, are, are going right. out and spending this kind of money and fuel prices are dropping or fuel prices are still going up. They're up again last couple of days. They were coming down. Now they're going back up. Rates just continue to drop. Um, you know, uh, I remember back in 2019, I used a phrase. I don't know if I started it or not. It kind of seemed like it because after I said it a couple of times on the air, I started seeing it everywhere and it's back now. Um, Freight Waves has got an article, truck drivers are facing another bloodbath. I mean, that was the word we were throwing around in in 2019. Mm -hmm. 2019 makes today look like, um, you know, 2019 was nothing compared to what we might be facing right now. Yeah, you know, when you you use that term bloodbath, it's kind of interesting. You know, these are almost the kind of conditions that, Plogger transportation as a fleet we're waiting on. Yeah, right. you know, so like one, <laughs> one segment is saying the party's over. We're like, it's just getting started, you know, because this is typically the time <laughs> yeah. where we take market share and segment and because we're ready, right. we're efficient, and we're just waiting on this stuff. So that, that goes either way. I, I agree it's going to be a bloodbath for, for folks that don't get it. Well, you, you guys know, are. If they haven't concentrated on efficiency, they're going to have a whole lot of problems. Yeah, well, and I think that is the vast majority of the trucks on the road today. You guys are like a pink unicorn. I mean, there there aren't many companies that focus on efficiency, and and you even said you weren't out there trying to grab the highest rates you possibly could. You were working with your shippers that you had long-term relationship with. You were helping them with pricing. You were doing all of the things that good smart trucking companies should do, but very seldom ever do. We stuck with our contract freight when everybody else was jumping to the spot market. Yeah. And in fact, we expanded our contract base because we knew this was going to happen. I, the right wall, so why everybody was jumping to go chase that five and six dollar mile freight, we were like, okay, 450 contracted for three years? Hell yeah, we'll take it. Yep. You know, so yeah. that's, that's kind of what happened there. So right now, I mean, we're. We're in good shape. It's just not. We don't have that sense of urgency. I don't think that the rest of the the market's kind of dealing with because we've got very stable customers at fair rates for longer terms. Well, with your business model, it, the you know good relationships with stable contract freight. You focus on efficiency. You're you're planning ahead. You're watching what's going on. We're probably heading into a time where it's going to be easier for you guys to operate. You know, that this hectic, uh, crazy what, market we've been in, uh, you guys probably are looking forward to what's coming. This is what tends to happen. Um, the, 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 the driver demand is going to slack off because there's going to be a lot of small carriers going under. So we're going to have a lot of guys knocking right. at our doors. So yep. we're going to have some, some drivers. We're not going to have to run the trucks as fast to keep up with Joe Schmo, you know, that's running his trucks at 90 mile an hour and everybody's getting paid by the mile. So we'll be able to concentrate on the efficiency even more. And, and like you said, we did 
we did concentrate on that stable contract phrase. So you're exactly right. I don't want to say they're easy times for us, but going to be much easier than the majority of folks out there, no doubt. And probably easier than what we've been through. This, this hectic pace, like you said, can't get trucks, can't get trailers, got to drive faster, can't get drivers. You know, you're, you're balancing, boy, should we grab some of that spot market freight? Now we should probably take care of our customers. I mean, that's a, that's a hectic, stressful time. And like you said, I think things will slow down. You'll be able to go back to good, solid business principles. And uh, here's the thing. Here's what we always have to remember. Um, We are going to lose a lot of carriers. We'll lose a lot of owner-operators, guys with their own authority. If they're smart and they do it soon enough, they may be able to go back to a lease to a carrier and and save things. Um, But it's just... It's a time to just kind of settle down and and run a good solid business and and not be not everything be so hectic and crazy. Yeah, you know, just in the last six months, how many of these small to mid sized carriers did we see pop up that said company drivers make eighty five cents a mile all miles? <laughs> right. And that's just, that's just nuts. Right. You, you can't sustain that. I mean, it's great from the driver's point of view. Don't get me wrong. And I want the driver to make as much money as they possibly can. That's not realistic long term because the market moves. And the second that it drops, what are these guys going to do when they're only getting eighty five cents a mile at, at times? You know what I mean? And and so it's uh it's going to be uh it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out. Yeah, or all the ads on social media for carriers looking for owner operators claiming seventy five hundred dollars a week. And you know, if you tried to question them on it, they would say, "Oh no, look, here's our rate. We're getting four dollars and twenty two cents." a mile in this lane so it's possible yeah it's possible nobody was doing those kind of numbers consistently um but you know people got into the business because of that no doubt no doubt yeah i just was i picked up a load of uh, paper in chicago and they had this big big banner on the fence next door to trucking company ten thousand dollars a week for owner operators an hour for, for company drivers and i'm like yeah, okay ten thousand a week huh? so, so does, does anybody <laughs> even on, on certain weeks yeah, I, yeah right. you're gonna make that on occasion but does, uh, you know week in week out i uh, boy did, i don't i don't know did anybody even yeah, bother? I'm, I'm, I'm getting. I'm going to start driving a truck. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. It, it, did anybody bother to just do the simple math? Ten thousand dollars a week means you'd make over a half a million dollars with one truck. Come on, nobody does mm. that. Nope. It's, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but instead of questioning it, they ran out and bought trucks. So it's going to get interesting. <laughs> exactly. All right. Let's. Uh, hey, hey, Joel, I've got a question for the website for you. From Alrighty. the website for you, um, are you guys using the Link Air Ride Cab system on your new Volvos? And how do you like it? If you are, I have got three test trucks with the uh, suspension from a driver standpoint. I absolutely love it. Uh, it is not a factory option yet from Volvo. Um, I'm pushing them. I love it. I, I really, really like it. And in fact, I was talking to John about having him do some work on my new truck when I get it. And I was going to get a hold of the link people and 
to do that too. And uh, that way John could get a lay some eyeballs on that thing when they install it. So it'd be be pretty cool but yeah absolutely love it um truck definitely rides better especially in a broadside wind because it can level itself out so the cab's not leaning when you're driving down the road against the broadside and it's uh very nice good good all right we've got some phone calls so uh anybody have anything else or do we want to jump into some calls oh, i'm ready for calls all right let's get started in uh, either L.A. or Louisiana. Terry, welcome. Hey, how you doing today? Good. What's on your mind? I've got a uh, 2018 Volvo that I'm pulling a flatbed with now. I have a driver in it. It's getting uh, about 6.2 miles per gallon. I've got it governed at 69. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find it. It's got about 500,000 miles on it now. And I'm looking for maybe a Volvo Guru, somebody like a Pittsburgh Power, that I could take the truck in and have them really go through it, you know, do the overhead and, and maybe make some recommendations as to what I need to do to really get the truck in top shape. I, I use the dealership because that's really the only option it seems like. And, you know, they're just, and I'm not throwing off my Volvo, but they're like every other dealership every other business they're they're just looking at profit and they're looking at how fast can we get money from this guy and get him out the door you know and it's, that's not working for me is there i was wondering if joel might so, <laughs> yeah so one of the best guys in the country is clint bankston um i think his shop is Piedmont Truck Service, I believe. He's over in the triad over there in the Carolinas, out around Greensboro area, Piedmont. Um, he's, he's on Facebook. You can, you can Google him. This guy really, really knows Volvos. He's very good. Um, there's a guy in Wisconsin, uh, I think it's called Diesel Brothers, Patrick Fillman. He's he's pretty pretty dang good. He's he's right up at that near that same level as, as Clint. So there's a, there's a handful of shops out there that are at that elite level. Um, I can't remember the one that's out in Los Angeles area. I'd have to uh, I have to look that up and I could post it to the to the site when I look it up. But there, there are some shops definitely out there that are are good. Oh, the triad one was probably better for us as far as location. What was that name again? Clint Bankston, and I believe his shop is, is Piedmont Truck Service. Okay. All righty. All right. Well, I'll give that a shot. I sure appreciate that information. Yeah, guy's really, really good, so you're in good hands with him. Well, I certainly uh, respect your opinion, so I'll give him a shot. Thanks again. Awesome. You're, yes. you're right. welcome. Right. Thanks for the call. You know what? Hey. Uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Real quick. Well, let me jump in there. Yeah, real quick on that one. That was an ISX-powered Volvo. I mean, don't hesitate to take that ISX to Pittsburgh power. I mean, that's uh, that's kind of their world. Uh, you know, chassis-wise, I, 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 yeah, I'll go with, with Joel on that, but any, 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 any other maintenance on that truck. But, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, on the ISX yeah. end, uh, yeah, just get it to Pittsburgh power and let them do the diesel force on it if it's not been done already and clean it out and, yeah, just go through the overhead gotcha. and make sure everything's right. Yeah, but yeah, on the ISX end, don't hesitate to take Pittsburgh power. Yeah, these guys are are definitely yeah. up on ISX. There's a garage full of yeah. them in there now, and they uh, it, it's almost like the preferred engine for a lot of the guys around here. They like them. 
I mean, they, they understand them. They like them. They know how to keep them running right. So definitely. You know, earlier I was mentioning fuel prices. Matt sent me over the numbers for the week and uh, I almost—I think I might have misread these. Uh, I haven't been out buying fuel for about a week. I've been living in a parking lot. Um, we're up forty-four cents just this week. It was down two cents on wow. Monday, down five cents on Tuesday, but then Wednesday it went up sixteen. Thursday it went up twenty-three, and today it's up eleven. Forty-four cents on the week again. Wow, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it is. It is. And honestly, there doesn't seem to be I'm, any end in I'm, sight. Well, I noticed that, um, and every time the economy starts to slow down, I can kind of judge this by parking availability as you head back east. And I'm noticing more and more that I'm rolling into truck stops, you know, at that 9 o'clock hour where it's almost impossible to find a parking spot. If you're east of Ohio, I'm seeing it more and more where, Hey, there's four or five parking spots open. And it seems like every week there's a few more open. So I'm kind of wondering what's going on. Um, I, I always kind of watch that in the back of my mind when I, when, you know, you hear that something may be up with the economy or things may be getting bad. I just kind of watch that parking space availability in the, in the evening. And as, as that starts to, as you start to see more free spaces, I kind of, kind of worry a little bit in the back of my mind, what's going on with the economy and what are we going to see in the numbers, you know, when the next round of uh, economic indicators come out. Yeah, wasn't there, um, it seems like I remember during the last election, isn't there some crazy election prediction where they use some number from, um, oh shoot, what are the breakfast restaurants all over the highway? Uh, uh, Waffle House. It, it, I think there's some, there's some crazy political prediction they can gather from some number that comes out of Waffle House and the thing's actually kind of, it, it's kind of accurate. So kind of accurate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, maybe, yeah, so we, we've got the old, uh, how long it took the old park index. That's right. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly right, yeah. 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 I'll, I'll start running a stopwatch on it and I'll report yeah. everything. Yeah. Uh, we'll put all that data together, compile it, and write the CSV, and yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll create an algorithm based upon how long it took the park. I'm thinking maybe... <laughs> Maybe there's a business opportunity here. Maybe we create an app and we have drivers on the app report back parking and then we predict what's going to happen to the economy from it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it might be as accurate as anything else. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. It'll become the uh, official trucking technology and efficiency app to predict the uh, economy. From truck parking, I like it. I, I say, I say, we do it. There we go. All right, let's. Uh, hey, hey, we'll just call it the Joel Index. Hey, yeah. we've we've got a uh, we've we've got a special guest on the line with us, a celebrity, a celebrity in the fuel mileage All world. Right. Steve Crone, welcome. Oh, Steve Crone. All right. Oh, hello All there. Right. Hello there. Hey there. Doing good, hey, Steve. Actually, actually hauling regular freight now. Uh, Kind of done with the automotive expedited. That kind of dropped off like uh, like off the cliff. So uh oh, back to the regular freight. That's because there's too many parking That's, spots uh, available. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when when, uh, when things went really bad, it was great going out east because you could stop any time of the day. Uh, uh, rest See, area, Steve knows. Yeah. Stops, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
but uh, of course, the freight doesn't pay as much, man. But what are you going to do? But uh, you guys were talking about the price of trailers, you know, and uh, I I bought my new trailer in 2020 in about a two week period where they couldn't give them away. You know, uh, or wait a second, was it 20 or 19? Well, right when, right when COVID hit and nobody knew what was going on, you know, and uh, actually the trucking market went down, a lot of people going out of business and that. And uh, I bought this uh, utility for 3150 and which was a little bit off the price. And I know the guy and uh, bought some trailers from him in the past. He had four trailers. I wish I would have bought them. He said, "Right now, I could sell my trailer in an auction for sixty thousand, easy." Yeah, yeah, yep. I, I, it. Hey, I, I got to jump in here because I see another problem coming. I've been doing tax returns for owner operators since the early nineties, and not once, not once in thousands of tax returns. Did I ever have to calculate capital gains on trucking equipment? Because you buy trucking equipment, truck trailer, I don't care what it is. When you sell it, you are selling it for less than what you bought it for. So all we had to calculate was recapture of depreciation. And that confuses people. And accountants, I've seen accountants who have a hard time with that. But now, now I had a call like this the other day. The guy paid like 16000 for a trailer and sold it for forty. Six months later, I, that really complicates a tax return if you don't, if you're not good at, at doing capital gains and now you've got to do a little of both. You've got some of this that is recapture of depreciation, some of it's capital gains, it's capital gains of business property. I, I fully expect that when we start seeing 2022 tax returns, especially, there's going to be an awful lot of mistakes and an awful lot of confusion on how to handle all this equipment. I agree. I, yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, what surprised me, hell, my brother could probably just liquidate the fleet and retire. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, hey, I, Here's another interesting thing, and I think this this pricing issue will probably go away before this becomes a big issue. Uh, but, Joey, you follow fleets. You've been around this industry. You guys know what goes on. It, when times get tough, we see a lot of consolidation. The healthy companies will start yeah. buying out the less healthy companies, and we'll see consolidation again. But I don't even know how you mm -hmm. would do that right now. It would be almost impossible well, to buy somebody out. Yeah, you all you do is you just sit and wait now, and you're you're waiting on opportunity. It, it's going to be a little while. This will turn around. I will guarantee that this this turns. When it's going to happen, I don't know, but it's definitely going to turn around. And when it does, the people that you know have been doing their homework and watching watching the moves being made, and and you know, it, there's going to be a hell of a lot of opportunity for the for the people that are doing things right. There, there's no doubt. A lot of people are going to get hurt in this, and it's going to be that bloodbath for a lot of people. But it's going to be a lot of opportunity for others so um yeah no doubt here's the other thing i want to keep warning people about if you've already bought that really overpriced equipment i would seriously think about selling it if you made the mistake of buying recently I, I, there's still time and and here's why 
I'm with you, Joel. This can't last. There is no way these equipment prices can sustain this. It's not going to happen. But once you buy it, you're screwed. People aren't buying these things with cash. They're financing them. Something happens to that equipment, lost, stolen, burn up in a fire, crash, whatever. You're done. You're done. The insurance company is going to pay the new book value that will be back to normal, and you're going to owe twice as much. I just was working with a small fleet, a guy that I helped to spec a couple of Volvos four years ago. He sold both those trucks for what he paid for them and ran them for four years. And he's kind of getting rid of his assets and he's going through like ruin or one of those. And he's just renting stuff right now because of everything that's going on because he can rent cheaper than what he can buy at these crazy rates. And, and so he's almost, got rid of all of his assets because of, he could sell them more than what he paid for them in, in most instances, and he's just renting stuff for the time being. That's smart. You know, it, so. I, you guys are a, a little too big to think about doing something too crazy like that. You've got, you know, solid customers, but take some of these guys that in the last couple of years have built five to ten truck fleets. It might be really, mm-hmm. really tempting to liquidate all of that equipment, and you know if you, mm-hmm. if you're if you're that size, you it wouldn't be a bad idea to go get some broker authority. If you've got some of your own freight, go get some broker authority. Get rid of all your equipment, broker that freight out for a while. Exactly what this guy done. Yeah, it's perfect. exactly what this guy done. Had five trucks, got rid of the trucks, made money on them and broker and freight and then he's renting trucks if he needs them and that's exactly what he done and he's he's killing it and he'll be out at auctions well, and then you can go buy that truck back exactly he'll be exactly out exactly when <laughs> yeah, yes yeah, yes that's exactly right. so i uh yeah yeah we've been talking about this and a couple of years ago if somebody would have told me that the market conditions ever would present themselves where this would even be something you would think about i'd say you're crazy but yet here it is you know here it is sell everything you got because you're going to make money on it and go rent stuff if you need it it's just it's nuts (laughs) when i first started talking about that i was i was it was mostly tongue-in-cheek i was kind of joking because it seems really radical to think about doing something like that 35 years in the industry there was never a time where that would have worked that would have been a horrible idea but now Mm-hmm. Uh, here's that whole contrarian thing again. I, I seriously think if I had five to twenty trucks, I'd be liquidating everything, brokering freight till this turned around, and then I'd be out buying it all back up again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Crazy times, Steve. What else you got? Well, uh, the price of trailers. Uh, you got an old trailer and you want to make it last, or if you buy a new trailer and you want to make it last longer, uh, my thought is you uh, spray the underside with fluid film and then you put cross member covers on. Makes the bottom of the trailer smooth. And uh, fluid film, you don't have to be redoing it all the time because it will not get washed off and it goes creeps hey. everywhere. Hey, do you think you might get. Makes the side rails look like. You, you think you might get better fuel economy if you do that? Yeah, yeah. It's it's not huge, but you got to couple it with other things, you know. And I got uh, I got a beta tester out there now that's got a couple of things, and uh, uh, not really quite ready to announce the results yet. But 
he uh, he just had the the cross member covers on, and he claims he was getting more, but we didn't do the transition in the back by the the uh, light bar on the back of the trailer. I told him I really not to expect much until we do that, and uh, I was going to do something temporary, but he wanted me to wait till we get the uh, plastic uh, molded stuff uh, on there. So hopefully that'll come up soon. So. Got we got it. a few other things too that, uh, yeah. Steve, I'll, anyways, have, I'll, have uh, come, I'll, I'll have to come up and see you when I when I finally get this trailer built that I'm working on right now and have you take a peek at it and see what you think. Oh well, I I'll, I'll have ideas definitely. definitely. <laughs> awesome, good stuff. <laughs> and uh, you know what? When I was talking to my trailer salesman. Uh, I said, you know, the nice thing about this is that, uh, well, he said that when this all settles out, trailer is going to probably go be gone for 40, 45, you know, when it really settles down and they yeah. have to look for people to buy. But, uh, you know, adding aerodynamics or, uh, you know, dual use aerodynamics here where you're protecting your investment, uh, that trailer will last forever, you know, and it soaks, the uh, fluid film soaks into the wood from underneath and it swells and, uh, um, you're, you can, you're going to only ruin your trailer from the inside, you know, which another reason I don't want to do automotive anymore. Ford, oh, they are hard on the inside of a trailer. Oh, my yeah. God. There you go. Hey, hey Steve, we're going to. Makes you want to cry. Hey, Steve, we're going to cut you loose. We need to do a uh, lightning round here, guys. I just looked at the website, and they blasted us with questions on there. Um, so here we go. Awesome. You, you guys ready? Let's see. All right. How do you break down gear ratios? We are operating an X15 efficiency, 12-speed, 1,700 max RPM, 285 rears. Former truck was DD15, 10-speed, 308 rears to maybe compare. Oh, boy. That's a tough one. I mean, I'm not even exactly sure what the question is here, but there's so many factors in trying to compare these two. Yeah, what they're talking about is our tractive effort calculations that we spent eight hours going oh, through all yeah, that math okay. during that training set. That, yeah, that, yeah. This is what they're talking about. They want to see tractive effort to be able to okay. compare it in probably the top three years, the startability in the bottom. So that, that's what they're looking for. The dealer should be able to give them tractive effort on both of those. Um, if not, I'm going to try and put together some information on tractive effort and post it. Good. I was going to say, I'm not quite ready to uh, calculate these in my head yet. <laughs> okay. There's a lot going on there, no doubt, but yeah. that's, that's what they're looking for. All right. Here, if they just want to look at a calculator, I've got a really in-depth one on, I think it's still available on Pittsburgh Power's website, the, the Excel spreadsheet that I did that has every gear ratio in the world on it. And oh, yeah. And change your and, I, and whatever. It's, yeah, it's, I need I to go I get that I emailed it to you before, Kevin. We'll, we'll, we'll try and get that up. Yeah, I, I've emailed it to you. And yeah, we'll, let's, we ought to try and make it, or I should just send it to Aaron and have him make a yes. user-friendly version Let, put on the on the tribe. Let's do that. That so would be is awesome. that actually giving you you tra- tractive effort in each gear, John? Well, you could calculate it from that. I'm not taking it that far. It's just, it's so, just speeds and gears and drops for every transmission but, available, and then it shows what it let's does. See if we could do yeah, that to put the rest of stuff in there to actually get right. you that useful information. Yeah, yeah, that'd be I, awesome. Yeah, easy. It would be an easy ad because what it does if you change the rear ratio the difference in the drops you know uh so that that that's helpful because like i said i've put uh, at least everything from eaton 
I've got Steve's Meritor in there. I've got, uh, I don't have a DT12 or, or the Volvo iShift, which I should probably add to it a tab for, but there's a tab for each transmission on the bottom. And then there are boxes where you could put your tire size and your, your rear gear in, and it, uh, it shows you the actual speeds in each gear. And it does them in a graphical form, so you see you see a, you see a line with a drop and a line with a drop for every gear. Excellent. Yeah, let, let's work nice. on that. That sounds like a great project. All right, here, I, we might we have another tough one here. We might all uh, have to go in and answer these on the website, um, but I think we can answer part of his question. It says, is it okay to consistently run an X15 performance at twelve hundred to twelve fifty RPM while scaling out at eighty thousand pounds? Am I causing any damage? It gives us a whole bunch of numbers and statistics, and it's not going to work well on the radio. So, just in general, what do we think about the question? Won't hurt it a bit. No, it shouldn't. Um, that's high enough RPM. He's going to be under peak horsepower but that should be good for fuel efficiency on, on the flat. Um, so but now he's on the back should be fine. Right. Right. He should be fine. Like 900 or nine, something nine ten or something like that. Yeah. He, he should be fine running there. There we go. All right. Uh, thought, here's another question. Thoughts on the Hendrickson Primax EX and new ADZ suspensions. <laughs> I like the Primax. It has that three um, torque rod arrangement, so your truck's not going to tail steer itself in a single axle application. Um, in a tandem application, it's uh, it's a little bit busy because there's a lot of parts. The ADZ has the V rod up top, which which I like, and it's a little more elegant solution than the three individual torque rods. If I'm running a six by four, personally, I take ADZ. If I'm running a six by two, then I take Primax. Excellent. Got it. All right. And I just see Bruce was in there, uh, answered the RPM question on the, uh, the uh, X15 looks like we all agree on that one. That's good. Uh, so if you're not part of truckingtribe.com, head on over and join. You get all kinds of questions answered. We've got uh, uh, John and Joel. I see you guys in there all the time. I see Pittsburgh Power's been in there very active lately. I've been trying to get in there more. So it's a great resource on the trucking tri- uh, the trucking side. And then, uh, of course, on the health side, we've got HealthyTribe.com as, uh, as well. Right now, we've got two minutes left. What does anybody want to finish with? Just everybody keep their eyes open on new technology. We're going to start to see some updated engine designs coming. Um, I, I think everybody's going to have a very, very competitive product with the new transmission options that are going to be available. Um, I think the engine designs are going to start to, to come a little bit closer in terms of, of engine architecture, and it's kind of important to understand what's going on. Uh, we may have to rethink how we drive trucks. I mean, in the past, we've always been taught don't lug them and, and keep that boost gauge as low as possible. I think now we're going to have to look at boost in relationship to RPM. I think that's going to be the difference. Right now, I'm running down the road at 900 RPM on the flat. I'm making about three three to four pounds of boost. When I go over an overpass, it'll make 30 pounds of boost, but I'm still at 900 RPM. And I think that's, that's what's important to understand is that at that low RPM, we need to be able to make boost when we need to in order to have the drivability that we want. Hey, hey, Joel, 
you you just gave us uh, a mm-hmm. little more job security. We just made we've been trying to explain boost for about a decade now, and now we're going to make it more complicated. So they need us even more. Oh, it got complicated years ago. We just need to adjust to it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, the computer tells them how much boost to make, not your foot. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be another story. That's um, right. I'm liking the competition. I, I love seeing the numbers from the, from the Detroit guys, and uh, it would be good to cool see, see some others up there and to see this group uh, challenges each other and, and you know, like an actual competition improves the breed. And, uh, you know, we can have fun doing it, and with the economy the way it is, it'll help with your sustainability as well. Uh, you know, if you're someone out there getting 10 miles per gallon, you're going to kick ass in the market and, and good on you, you know. A- absolutely. And you see the guys are out there happy with six and a half, go by the wayside well so be it that's better for the guys who who did their who did their homework and, and are you know doing the right things and then concerned about fuel mileage it's better for business it's better for the economy it's better for the environment it's better for everything and so you know let's, let's keep competing and then working on each other and you know i'm looking forward to getting my hands on Joel's new truck and you know, he, he's got a specific thing he'd like to do. I have a whole bunch of other ideas whenever we finally get to work on it. But, uh, <laughs> it's going to have a full-on race car set up on it when we're done. So I've got uh, some things from the racing world from a set-up alignment, shall we say, standpoint that uh, we could probably play with once we get the wheel bearing sorted all that stuff. But, yeah, got well, a lot of, a lot of work awesome. to do. But it, it's fun. And, and we might as well just throw this in because uh, we've been saying it for years and years, long before it got this bad, uh, when high fuel prices and low rates start killing this, these guys, don't say we didn't tell you. I mean, we've been telling you for years. Get ready for this. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's coming. Yeah. Uh, it, the, whatever's going to happen is going to happen there. That's it's right. Cream rises to the top, and those, those of us who have, uh, you know, and to me, this whole fuel mileage game is just like a race. It really is. It's, you know, it's, it's no different than me standing on the, on the side of a track with a stopwatch. Exactly. You know, so this, this change found me some pants, and that one found some pants on Wait. the racetrack, or I mean, on the, you know, out in whatever lane you're in, and uh, it's it's just fun. Yeah, and, let me and it's beneficial to everybody. Yeah. Let me tell you the only difference. Here's the way I see it. Uh, in your world, every person on that track is doing that, right? Everybody. Yep. Everybody is doing yeah. everything they can to squeeze out another second or two in time or a little more of this or a little more of that. In trucking, I, I swear it's like maybe 3 to 5% that are actually working at it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think that, I think like me going out, having a driver go out on the track and just driving around. Like, well, it's like driving around the track. I'm like, well, yeah. that's stupid. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. well, let's think Don't about that. <laughs> let, let's think about this, John. If nine out of ten race cars were doing that, think how easy it'd be to win. Oh, it'd be really easy. I, I, well, again, here we are. But it, yeah, that, that's just what, imagine uh, every every midsize fleet like Joel did what Joel does. Just oh, imagine what that would do to our oh, fuel consume to the to the market, right? It, 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 and not to mention all the owner operators. The owner operators are easier to get to, but like I think Joel would be the target. You know, we have other fleets the size of his, and there are a couple out there. You've got Nussbaum and you've got uh, MVP yeah. that, are, that are putting on good numbers, but I think they're about it. Uh, just about. I, I don't know just about. Else that does that. Yeah. 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 And uh, why doesn't the nine plus mile per gallon group have 300,000 owner operators in it? I have no idea. It should. There's it's tons of great information in yeah. there. People sharing, it learning. It's it's uh, it's been a great group all around, and what we talk about. And yet, and and here's the good news. You know, no matter how bad the economy gets, 
freight has to move. It's going to move. Somebody's going to move the freight, and somebody's going to make money doing it. The rates at least have to be good enough so that freight gets to where it belongs. And as we start to lose people, which we will, the rates will start to adjust again. So all you got to do is make it through these worst times, and then things will get better again. Yeah, no doubt that that market is kind of a living, breathing thing that's constantly in motion. It's dynamic. It changes. And so you can't put together a business model that isn't fluid and able to adapt to a circumstance. And uh, if you put together that model, I don't start my truck for less than five bucks a mile. You're done before you even get started. <laughs> you just are. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you are. It's it, it just, just the way it is. It would be like me showing up to one of John's races with a 72 Nova and jumping in the lineup and, you know, (laughs) how's that going to work out? You know, (laughs) you've got to really think about what you're doing here. And, and, you know, know, some people think 72 Novas are cool when they put lots of chrome on them. That's right. Hey, hey, if it's it's sitting in my garage, it's really cool. But, you know, (laughs) if you're going to take it out and use it, it's not a good daily driver and it sure as hell ain't going to work at the racetrack. So, you know, it's, and that that's kind of how you got to look at this and you got to you got to use what's going to work in the real world so something that's adaptable there you go yep. all right guys i've got uh, i've got to, i've got to get on with my day i've got a couple conference calls and it looks like somebody just dropped a pair of shocks next to my truck so i might have to get dirty all and right. get those back shocks on <laughs> Get, get your cover rolls on, Kevin. That's Go right. Yeah. That's right. All right. So thanks as right. always. Good hey, deal. we'll we'll try to do it again next Friday if you guys want to. Yeah, sounds, sounds good. good. All right. We'll, I'll actually be in the shop next Friday, so that works well. Got it. So. Perfect. All right. We All right, will. Cool. Uh, All right. We will see you next week. Have a great Easter weekend, and we will see you back here on Monday. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always. Do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford.